This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Well, hey, everybody, welcome today. It's good to see you. You guys are the ones got a little extra sleep this morning, so I hope you're feeling extra good. And you're alive. That's a good reason to be excited, huh? You woke up alive today at all of our campuses and uh, Fresno Madera. So, uh, so great to, to see you. Uh, before we get into our content today and continue the series that we started last week, I uh, want to just talk about a few things. Have you ever had one of those moments? Maybe you're on like a really great vacation. And as you're on that vacation, like just picture this, like picture this, you're sitting on the beach and you're watching like the oceans come in and you start to like believe that this is actually your new life. Like my life is actually this now. And then you have to go back to like real life and you're like, dang it, like, man, why couldn't that have been my life? Or you have these moments in life where like people celebrate you, maybe you get a new promotion at work and they throw you a party, they get you a cake and they're like, man, you're the man. And then Monday rolls around. It's like, okay, maybe you're not as much of the man as you thought that you were. Uh, graduation, we've all, I mean, for those of you that have graduated uh, high school, you know what it's like to have graduation parties and everybody comes and celebrates you and like, oh, look at the great work that you've done, like all this time. And then like Monday morning rolls around, it's like, oh crap, I got to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And everybody's not there like cheering me on. Uh, well, in about three weeks, we host Easter weekend uh, here at the church. And in the church world, Easter can kind of be one of these moments where we come together. It's a really high, uh, high time where we celebrate what Christ has done in our lives and outreach to our community. But if we're honest as a church, a lot of times uh, it kind of goes as the weeks go on, it kind of just goes back to business as usual. And as we've kind of begin to game plan for Easter weekend, uh, one of the things that we really have as a targeted goal in looking to scripture as our guide, uh, one of the things that Jesus kind of directs us to do is to make disciples, or in other words, to help people uh, take steps to move their life forward, to not just have a great experience, but that actually when people come and they experience church, that their lives would get better. And so one of our major goals on Easter weekend is to switch up the norm for us. Normally we kind of host like an Easter show where people can come and hear great music and celebrity interviews and things like that. Uh, This year we're going to be really intentional at crafting an experience where people can come and experience God. And our desire would be that when they leave that space, that life would not just go back to life as usual, but we would be able to create an environment where God can do something really incredible and tagging their hearts, touching their hearts to hopefully move their life uh, forward. So it's going to be a whole lot of, of fun. It's Easter weekend, which is on April Fool's weekend, which is like God's greatest like joke to us. It's like, I was dead. Just kidding. I'm not April Fool's. Like we celebrate his resurrection and uh, we'll, we'll do that on, uh, on Easter Sunday. In fact, uh, we're also going to do something extra special this year for our church family. We're hosting a Good Friday service and we'll come together collectively at our Clovis campus uh, to, to celebrate together on, on Good Friday. Kind of a family night. We'll be, there'll be special music and different things uh, that night. So at the end of uh, our time together today, your campus team leads will come and, and give some information. But be praying with us, even in the next few weeks, that God would just do something really cool uh, through, through Easter weekend. Uh, but I'm excited you're here. We're going to continue our series called Stories uh, today. And as we do, I want to read a story from the Bible, the book of Mark, to kind of maybe frame the conversation that we'll have this morning in hopes that it will help you today. Mark chapter 2, verse 1, uh, it says this, after a few days, Jesus returned to Capernaum. This was Jesus's home base uh, during his ministry, and word got out that he was back home. A crowd gathered, jamming the entrance so that no one could get in, no one could get out. Uh, He was teaching the word, he was teaching scripture, 
As he's teaching scripture, they brought a paraplegic to him, somebody who was, uh, wasn't able to, to move his legs, wasn't able to walk, carried by four men. When they weren't able to get in because of the crowd, these four men removed part of the roof and lowered the paraplegic on his stretcher, putting him right before Jesus. Scripture says, impressed by their bold belief, Jesus said to the paraplegic, son, I forgive your sins. Some uh, religion scholars sitting there had started whispering among themselves at this point. This is what they said. He can't talk that way. That's blasphemy. They said this, God and only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew right away what they were thinking and said, why are you skeptical? In other words, impressed by these four guys' belief, he challenges the religious people's belief. Why are you skeptical? Why don't you believe? Which is simpler, to say to the paraplegic, I forgive your sins, or to say, get up, take your stretcher, and start walking. And then Jesus gets a little bit feisty with him. He says, well, just so it's clear that I'm the son of man and authorized to do either or both, he now looks at the paraplegic and he says this, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. And the man did it. He got up, he grabbed a stretcher, and walked out with everyone there watching him. They rubbed their eyes, incredulous, and then praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. You know, at our church, we're led by a really incredible team of people who give their lives every day uh, to come together, to come to work, to help uh, create systems and build a space where people can come and find a family to hopefully move their life uh, forward. And one of those people I want to highlight today as we kind of kick off our time together is someone that's been with us for over a decade. And her, uh, her name is Karina Burgess. And uh, her and her husband originally came uh, to, yeah, for those of you that know Karina, and give it up for, for her. Her and her husband originally came to Fresno back in 2004. Uh, she's currently our leadership development pastor. A couple of her kids are on our staff team, her oldest son, Lance, and then her uh, youngest son, uh, Taylor, just recently joined our team as one of our arts pastors, doing an incredible job. Uh, but her and her husband, John, back in 2004, uh, kind of as the story goes, were, were taking Lance to, to college. He was attending Biola University. And on their way back uh, home, they ended up coming through Fresno. And as they came through Fresno, uh, it happened to be around the weekend time. And so somehow they found themselves at Celebration. And they experienced something really cool that weekend, and as they left, they really felt like God had done something uh, in their hearts to the point that they couldn't really escape uh, what God had done. And so they began having conversation about how they believed that they were supposed to, uh, that the next move for them was to move to Fresno and just be a part of the church, to help build the church in whatever way they could uh, help. So they, that's what they did. They moved uh, to Fresno, Karina and John. And uh, when they moved to Fresno, they just began serving on the dream team. They hosted uh, and led a small group. And as time went on, uh, my dad, our lead pastor, uh, was, 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 he was building the church. There was some needs to kind of uh, find people that could oversee certain areas of ministry within the church. And one of those areas was children's ministry. And he had seen John and Karina around for uh, some time now. And he really just kind of felt in his heart that this was kind of the move, that, that he would bring them in and ask them, hey, what would you think about helping us build children's ministry? And so that's what they did. Uh, he, he, he brought them in and had that conversation. They're like, yeah, absolutely, like anything 
uh, to kind of just push the church forward. And so Karina and John uh, stepped in as the children's pastor at that time and did a phenomenal job. As the years went on, we launched a ministry training uh, school. Uh, over 90% of our staff team today comes from those graduating classes of our ministry training program. And over 90% of our current staff members that are on our team would accredit much of their leadership ability and how they lead as a leader to the influence of John and Karina. Uh, John had a prosthetic eye, and he had an, an injury from when he was younger. And uh, he was he was the kind of guy that had really bold faith, though. I mean, he was the. I mean, you, you just didn't want to mess with John. Like he was just believed that God could absolutely do anything. He would pray and believe that one day God was going to take this prosthetic eye that was man-made. And that he believed with all of his might that God was going to turn that into a real human eye, that God was going to, going to heal his eye. And he was one of those kinds of people that, I mean, he could pray like, like nobody I know. He could just, just pray. And when he prayed, like, man, you just, you just felt it. And, and throughout uh, his years here at the church, he began having some issues with his prosthetic eye, all the while uh, believing that God would come through and that a miracle would happen. He went through some different surgeries, and there was some infection and different things, and kept going back to the doctor, trying to battle through it. And about eight years ago, this month, the complete unexpected uh, happened one evening when John uh, passed away, and Karina and her family woke up to the fact that John uh, had gone on to be with Jesus. And that morning, it was extremely tragic. Uh, Lance and I, who's one of my best friends, we were at the gym, and we were working out, and, and I remember we were, we were standing there working out, and we didn't have our phones, so Gianna, who is now uh, Lance's wife, came running up to us, and, and she said, Lance, like, your mom's trying to get a hold of you. Something happened with John. We didn't know, like, everything that was going on at this moment. We just got in our cars, and we took off to, to John and Karina's house, and when we walked in, uh, Karina's standing there, and just like any, any person that would find themselves in this tragic of a situation would be, she's, she's grabbing her head, and she's, she's, she's saying, this, this is not my life. She's screaming, this is not my life. As we, as we walked into the house, my, my mom arrived about the same time, and we're looking at each other like, what the heck? And, and we walk in, Lance goes off to the bedroom, and uh, mind you, we're in ministry training school at this time. And Karina's saying, this is not my life. This is not my life. And I remember she looks at me and she said, Nick, you go in there and you, you, raise, him, you raise him from the dead. And she's, and she's squeezing just, just the back of, her, back of her head. And so I, I went in there and, and me and Lance are in there with, with, um, with John not moving. And, and we do the things that, that we had heard stories of. We heard stories of Jesus raising the dead and we've heard stories of, of people who have faith in God, commanding people's spirits to come back into their bodies and people coming back from the dead. So we, with all the courage that we had in our hearts, we, we commanded John's spirit to come back into his body. And uh, I remember standing there and we're, we're doing everything that we know to do. And me and Lance have had several moments in our friendship like this where I looked at him and I was like, man, what do you, what do, you, what do we do? Like, what do you want to do? Because I'm with you. Like, I don't know what else do you want to try, but I'm I'm with you, like, let's, let's figure it out. And as much as we tried, John didn't come back into his body. And my dad showed up. He went in and had his own kind of time doing the same thing, trying to see if we could get a miracle kind of just to, to work. Um, but John didn't come back to life. And we believe that once he, you know, slipped over into heaven, that he experienced God goodness, God's goodness in a way that he just didn't want to come back. And, uh, and so we had to move on from that space, um, even with the questions in our mind of, God, why didn't, hap why didn't it happen? You ever found yourself in a position like that? 
This last week, we met with our staff team, and, and I was talking about how sometimes in life, there's these situations that happen, and if we're really honest, they have the tendency, tendency to steal our faith, our expectation. It's really hard to believe God for something when I believed you for something before, and it seemed like you didn't come through. And yet last Wednesday, we were getting ready to have our first Wednesday service, and we were going into that service stirred with the expectation that God was going to heal people, that God was going to change people on the inside, like on a spirit level, not just on a natural level, but to change them on a spirit level. We're believing, because we read it in Scripture, how God desires that we would walk in health and healing, that in that moment that the miraculous was going to happen. And I remember looking at our staff team and encouraging them, hey, I don't know what you've been through, but this is all I know, that we still have to believe, we still have to move Life forward, we have to find a way. Tonight, there's going to be people that are hurting. There's going to be people that are broken, that need hope, that need help. And we still believe that that hope comes from God. And so after we left that um, space together, Karina sent me this, um, this thing that she had written uh, shortly after, after John had passed. And I want to read it to you today as we continue our conversation. I think that it will really kind of set the stage for some things that we can talk about today. She, she wrote this. Uh, on Tuesday, December 6, 2011, uh, she said, Do you believe in miracles? This question was never a difficult one for me until one night. Eight months and 17 days after Jonathan passed away, I was having a rather tough night. What most people don't know is that for me, a tough night can involve me wearing my husband's shirt or sweatshirt with the fading hint of his cologne and sitting on the floor of my room or closet to get in a good cry. Please don't judge me. It's my way of coping with loss, and I'm okay with it. This particular night, my tears were flowing at high speed. My heart felt like it was being torn to shreds, and there was a knot in my throat choking life from me. I was tipping on the edge of wanting to jump into the dark place of self-pity when I heard in my spirit, do you still believe me for miracles? I can only shake my head, yes. Do you believe I can raise the dead? Really, God, you're, you're going there? I took a deep breath and I moved my lips, but no words came out. Finally, they escaped me. I said, yes, God, I believe in miracles. And I believe that you can raise the dead. I sat staring at my hands, tears hot on my face when I heard in my spirit, then you and your children will see miracles unlike you've ever seen, if you have faith to believe. It's all I needed to hear. Today, while I was in a meeting, I looked at my calendar and I saw tomorrow is December 7th, exactly one year to the date of that night on the floor. Tomorrow, we are having a miracle service at Celebration. By chance? I don't think so. Everything God does has a purpose. Sometimes our lives are good and bad things happen. We might find ourselves with a diagnosis that shouldn't be ours. There are jobs that we dreamed of that are lost. Relationships we thought would last forever that fall apart, financial issues that take over our sleep, depression and anxiety take up residence in our home. We lose the one we love the most. These are real moments, real pain, but these are also moments where God can perform miracles. Moments he can turn everything around. If only in moments like this we could use them to propel us into a journey of believing greatly from mind-blowing miracles. What would happen if we actually believed God for the impossible? She writes, tonight I'm sitting on the floor of my room while I write this. I'm on the edge of high expectation for miracles to happen tomorrow night. 
Some I know we will see instantly, others will see, will continue to see over time. Nonetheless, there will be miracles. They will happen. And me, I will be there to believe for them, to pray for them, to witness them, and to celebrate them. And for that reason, Karina Burgess will forever be one of my greatest heroes because she took the situation that really should have ended the ability of her life having the capacity to move forward. And she allowed what could have been the entirety of her story to simply be a chapter in her book. Have you ever found yourself in a situation that you felt paralyzed you? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you felt you were prisoner to something? Like there, there was something in your life that I can never have the life that I want because of this. Have you ever found that, that you had something in your life that was keeping you from the life that you desire? You know, the, 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 uh, the bottom line honest truth is that we all have those things. Because if we didn't, then we would all be living the life that we desire. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it looks like what stands in your way. What is keeping you captive? We all have something, maybe your past, maybe your failures, maybe your mistakes, maybe your, your relational situation. I could never have a great marriage because the other person that I'm in a relationship, they don't want a great marriage. What is, your, what is the thing that holds you captive? When we look at this story, this is where this man finds himself. This paralytic man, he's paralyzed. So, so he can dream in his, in his life, in his mind, about all the things that he wants to accomplish. I want to be this kind of person. I want to have these kind of dreams. I want to go out and hang with these kind of, of people. I want to travel the world, and I want to do this, and I want to be this. But it can never happen. Why? Because he's prisoner to a situation. What situation in your life is keeping you from the life that you desire? Maybe it's something as simple as, as money. I could never have that life because I don't have the money for that. I could never have that job because I'm not that smart. I didn't grow up on the right side of the tracks. I didn't have a dad in my life. I didn't have a mom in my life. I didn't grow up with somebody that loved me and somebody that lifted me up. I, had, I grew up with somebody that actually put me down and, and abused me. I could never be the person that I want to be because. And yet we see this man, this paralytic man, who, who found himself in a situation that should have been the entirety of his story. And by the end of what we read, that's, that, that thing that should have been the entirety of his story is simply a chapter in his book. This man that was prisoner to his own physical body, at the end of the story, he begins to walk and he's able to live the life that he's always dreamed of. Today I want to talk about things that we can pull from this story, hopefully truths that we can apply to our life, to help us eliminate the thing that is holding us captive. To eliminate the thing that is standing in the way between where I am and where I want to be. What is it for you? I believe if we look through this story, we can identify a few things. The first, things that I, first thing that I see in this story as it pertains to this man breaking free from the thing that was holding him captive is that he was surrounded by the right people. If I want to break free from the thing that's, that's keeping me prisoner, whatever is standing between me and the life that I desire, I have to surround myself with the right people. And if you've been in here for the past several months, you're like, yeah, I get it. Like, we've talked about this. Like, community, like, family. Like, i got to have people in my life. i got to evaluate my relationships. But it's so much more than that. I have to surround myself with the right people. How do you define the right people? When you look at the people in your sphere of influence, when you look at the people that you surround yourself with, your friendships, 
How do you define the right people? Do you define the right people as just, well, people that build me up instead of tear me down? People that push me closer towards my goal rather than further away? Do you, do you, do you uh, determine if, 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 healthy, if relationships are healthy or right because there's no conflict? Or this is, well, that's not, that's not a, a true determination of, of if a relationship is healthy or not. There's no conflict. So what is the standard? What is the litmus test to ask myself the question or to answer the question? Am I surrounded by the right people? The Bible says they brought... A, paraly- a paraplegic to him, they carried, he was carried by four men. They brought a paraplegic to him, he was carried by four men. The test, if I'm surrounded by the right people, do you have people in your life that will help you carry your burdens? Ask yourself that question. Are you surrounded by people that, I'm not just talking about they encourage you to do the right thing. They're going to actually help you walk out the steps to do the right thing. Do you have people in your life that will fight for you when you don't have the ability to fight for yourself? Do you have the the, the people in your circle that they don't see you for who you are, they see you for who you could be? Are you surrounded with those kinds of people? Who are you surrounded by? Because there's gonna be times in your life when you're prisoner, a lot of times you are not the solution to your problem. You can't get to where you need to be to experience the freedom that you need to experience. You can't remove the roadblock on your own. You have to surround yourself with people that are willing to carry your burdens. This is why scripture challenges us to carry each other's burdens. This is why he challenges us when he says that there is no greater love than this that man can know. That, that, that when my one man would have the ability to lay down his life for his friends. One of the great life lessons that I learned this last summer, I was talking with, with a friend of mine and they were challenging, he's a little bit older than me, and he was challenging me, surround yourself with givers. When you look at your relationships, are you, are you surrounded with givers? And at first I'm thinking to myself, well, that's kind of selfish, right? Like surround myself with givers. Why? So that they'll all give to me and my needs will be met? And he said, no, no, no. Surround yourself with givers because when you surround yourself with givers, everybody is thinking about the best interest of the other person. When you look at your relationships, are you surrounded by givers or are you surrounded by takers? Are you surrounded by people that have your best interests in mind? Are you surrounded by people that encourage you and lift you up and they're, and they're desiring to serve you or, or the people that you're surrounded with always looking to you to be the answer to their problem? <gasps> Are you surrounded by people that can help you carry your burdens? Because you have to surround yourself with the right people because when you surround yourself with the right people, something incredible happens. The scripture says they brought a paraplegic to him carried by four men and when they weren't able to get in because of the crowd, they removed part of the roof and lowered the paraplegic on his stretcher. When you're surrounded by the right people, those people will always help you push through whatever your because is. I could never be that person because. Sure you can. I'm going to help you do it. You can walk through it. You don't have to be a product of the family that you grew up in. That's what happens when you're surrounded by the right people. I can know like I couldn't. I'm not smart enough. Yes, you are. You can, anybody can learn on YouTube. You're going to get yourself an education and you're going to do it. When you surround yourself with the right people, they're not going to allow you to settle for what is. They're going to push you and they're going to help you walk the path towards the great life that you desire. When you surround yourself with the right people, they help you push through your limitation. What is your limitation? What if the answer to pushing past the prison that you find yourself in was just a matter of getting yourself surrounded by the right people? And you're probably thinking, Nick, we're talking about a unicorn here because I don't think those people exist. <laughs> right? If you can't, here, here, here's, the, here's the best way I can say If you can't find those people around you, the best way to get those people in your life is to be those people to other people. That's, that's, that's a, a Bible principle. 
This is why the Bible says, give and it will be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. It's about so much more than just money, right? You want healthy relationships, then, then, then contribute to relationships, the same thing that, that you want given back to the relationships that you're in. Be somebody who's willing to carry the burdens of those around you. If you want to be surrounded by great people, then you be that great person to somebody else. Man, if I'm going to break free from my limitations, I'm going to be able to push forward to the life that I desire. I'm going to have to surround myself with the right people. That's the first thing we learn. The second thing that we, we take away from this man's story is that we have to have bold belief. Have bold belief. The scripture says they removed part of the roof and lowered the paraplegic on his stretcher. Bible says, impressed by their bold belief, Jesus said to the paraplegic, son, I forgive your sins. Some religion scholars sitting there started whispering among themselves, he can't talk that way. This blasphemy, God and only God can forgive sins. When we read the scripture, it's super fascinating to me. The Bible says that Jesus was impressed by their bold belief. What's funny is Jesus responds to their bold belief in a way that I would not think that he would respond to their bold belief. I'm so impressed by your bold belief. And Jesus says, so Jesus says, I forgive your sins. You'd think that Jesus would say, I'm so impressed by your bold belief. Now be healed, right? But Jesus takes this moment to tell him that I forgive you of your sins. Why is, why is Jesus doing this? I mean, when you read further in the scripture, the, he just sets the religious people off. It's almost if Jesus, in his response to this man, impressed by his bold faith, was actually picking a fight with all the religious people, right? What are you doing? Stay focused, right? What is he doing? What Jesus is doing by telling the man that his sins are forgiven is he's removing the very thing that the religious people would have seen as the thing that disqualified this man from his miracle. You see, in this day and age, it was, it was, it was well believed, especially before the redemptive plan of Christ as it pertained to religion in that day, that if you had sickness in your body, especially as it pertained to palsy or, or you were paralyzed in any, any, any part of your body, that it was because of some sort of sin in your life or sin in your parents' life. So in other words, what Jesus is doing is he's removing the thing that the religious people would think, would, would think disqualifies this man for his miracle. When I surround myself with the right people, they help me push through my because. They help me push through my limitation. When I choose to harness bold belief in my life, God comes in and he removes my because. He takes away my limitation. This is what Jesus wants to do in our lives. He says, your sins are forgiven. In other words, what he's saying is, I, I want to have a greater conversation before we get to the whole healing thing. He wants to have the conversation that he really came to this earth to have. That in our life, we're so obsessed with sin and right and wrong. Is it right or is it wrong? Am I right or am I wrong? Am I doing the right thing or am I doing the right thing? Am I good or am I bad? Are you good or are you bad? Are you better than me or am I better than you? We're trying to rank ourselves based upon good or bad. Am I right or am I wrong? And Jesus is coming to say that the reason that I'm here on this earth is to do away with this whole idea of right or wrong. I don't want to, I don't want to, talk, about, I don't want to talk about right or wrong as it pertains to your acceptance. Your worth in life does not come because you behave. Your worth in life comes because you have bold belief. And this is the conversation that Jesus is having with, this, with, the, with these religious people. What he's saying, he's saying, he said, I did not come to have the conversation about is it right or is it wrong? I did not come to have the conversation, are you good or are you bad? I want to have a broader conversation. I want to ask you the question, are you dead or are you alive? You may be alive and you may be existing, but are you truly, truly living? This is the question that Jesus wants to ask you today. Jesus isn't looking over your shoulder asking if you're behaving. His question for you is so much greater than that. 
His question for you is, I came and I already paid the price. I paid the price of sin and death. When I died on the cross and I went to hell and I took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, I conquered it so that when you place your faith in me, you're no longer subjective to the power of sin. My bigger question is, are you, are you, are you really living? Why? Because I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly to the full till it overflows, a better life than you ever dreamed. Jesus is far more obsessed with the quality of life that you're living than probably you are. So many of us, we exist in this life, but are we really living? This is, this is, the, this is the question that, that, that Jesus is posing, that Jesus is posing. And they, and they get mad, they, 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 get, they get upset. They get upset, don't they? And we see here, it, it continues on, some religious scholars sitting there started whispering among themselves. And, uh, and, and they say to him, they say, they say, he can't talk that way, that's blasphemy. God and only God can forgive sins. God and only God can forgive sins. You see, when I surround myself with the right people, they help me do what I can do. When I have bold belief, I set the table for God to do what God and only God can do. That's what they're so upset about. You're doing the thing that God and only God can do. He says, yeah, my point exactly, because I'm God in the flesh. What in your life do you need God to do that God and only God can do? Are you at the end of your rope? Are you in a position where you know that in your own human strength it's gonna take a whole lot more than just surrounding yourself with the right people to solve this problem? Did you get a doctor's diagnosis that you don't know how you're gonna push through? Are you, are you in a situation that you feel like is the end of you? Do you need God to do something in your life? Do you need something that is not just natural, something that is supernatural? Do you need God to do something that is not just logical? Do you need God to do something that transcends logic and can blow your mind and put the facts where they belong? Do you need God to do something in your life? Do you need God to do what God and only God can do? And I gotta have bold faith. I gotta have bold belief, the courage to believe that God can do it. How do I have bold belief? How do I have bold belief? I think we see a, a few things. If I'm going to have bold belief, if I'm going to have bold belief, I can't be afraid of what could be. I can't be afraid of what could be. If I'm going to have bold belief, I can't be afraid of what could be. The, the scripture says a crowd gathered, jamming the interest so that no one could get in or out. Could you imagine these guys? I mean, they see their friend. They're not even on this journey for themselves. They're trying to get their friend to live his best life. So they're carrying this man, and who knows how far they were traveling from, where they were at, and they say, okay, we've heard that Jesus is in town, that he can do a miracle, and they get there, and there's this big old crowd. Oh, gosh, like, are you serious? We travel all this way. How are we going to get in? There's no, what if we can't get in? What if we get there, and, there, and there's no, if you see the crowd, and it, what is that? It's the fear of what could be. So much of our time, so much of the time in our life, we live our lives based upon this fear of what could be. We, we refuse to step out and try to, to accomplish the things that we desire to accomplish or to live the life that, that we want to have because what if I fail? What if I do it and people don't like it? What if, what if I tell them how I really feel and they reject me? What if I go and apologize and they spit in my face? What if, what if, what if, I'm gonna have, if I'm going to have bold belief? If I want the situation that I'm in only to be a chapter in, in my book and not the entirety of my story, then I'm going to have to be willing to have bold belief. And what that means is I'm going to have to be willing to not be afraid of what could be. Don't live your life afraid. Well, well I don't think that I could ever find anybody else. You refuse to leave an abusive relationship. I don't think I could ever find anybody else. Don't let the fear of what could be to keep you from the move that you need to make in your life. Don't be afraid of what could be. Don't be afraid of what could be. Don't live your life in fear of things that may never happen. Take risks. Be bold. You've got to have bold belief. You want God to do what only God can do? 
The first step in creating a space for God to do what only God to do is being willing to not be afraid of what could be. The second thing is to not be afraid of what is. They get to this crowd and they're like, yep, it's a crowd. I don't think we're going to get through this one. And they could have turned around, but what do they do? They said, no, if we can't get through the crowd. Let's get up on the roof. Don't be afraid of what is. Let's get up on the roof. Well, there's no hole. Are we going to get through the roof? We'll make a hole. What do you mean we'll make a hole? Yeah, we're not, we're not going to, we're not going to be limited by the facts. What are the facts? Don't be intimidated. You can't be afraid. You can't live. If you want to have bold belief, if you want to create a space for God to do what only God can do in your life, you can't be intimidated by what is. What am I talking about? A doctor's diagnosis that, that man, man, they, they told me that there's nothing else that they can do for me. Don't, don't, don't allow yourself to just crumble in and well, that's the end of my life. I guess that's the end of my story. No, it can still just be a chapter in your book. If you'll have the courage to have bold, bold, bold belief. You had a divorce. Well, this is it. That was it for me. I guess I screwed that one. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't put a period where, where, where God really intended on continuing that sentence in your life. It does not have to be the end of your story. Do not be afraid of what is. Don't be afraid of what is. Push through what is. Push through what is. Maybe you lost a loved one. This is what I admire so much about Karina. She lost her husband, her husband that she did ministry with. This was the entirety of her life. This is everything that she knew. This could have just stopped. It's the fact, God, I prayed, and you see, it seems like you didn't come through. Well, that's just the end. No, 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 no. I'm still going to believe. I'm still going to have bold belief. I'm still going to trust God. I'm still going to believe that he's a healer. I'm still going to believe that he is good. I'm still going to believe that he wants to do good things in my life. I'm still going to believe. I'm not going to be moved by what is. You see, I have nothing to lose when I believe. You have nothing to lose by believing. You have everything to lose by doubting. We have nothing to lose when we trust God and believe. We have nothing to lose when we say, okay, God, I know I've had some bad experiences, but I'm just going to choose to believe that you're still good. And I still believe that you're a healer and that you want to prosper me. And you want me to have healthy relations. I know what I've experienced, but I have nothing to lose by believing, but I have everything to lose. If I just settle, I'm just a, I'm just a para, paraplegic. I'm just a paralytic man. My husband died. My, my, my life is over. This is just the cards that have been dealt to me. Don't stay there. Don't stay there. You have everything to lose by doubting. You have nothing to, to lose when you believe God. And you know one of the hardest things about not being afraid of what is? Is when you look back on the things that have been. Because if I'm really brutally honest with all of you guys, the reason we were having that conversation with our staff team is because I knew that we were going to pray for people that were sick that night. And I've been taught the things of God. I know that on that cross, Jesus paid the price so that we could live healthy. I know, the, I know the scripture. He himself bore our sins in his own body in the tree that we having died to sins might live righteous by whose stripes you were healed. I've been, ta I've been taught it. Surely he's borne our griefs, sicknesses, and carried our sorrows, diseases. Yet we esteemed him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. By his stripes we were healed. I know the scripture. I know Psalms 107, verse 20 that says he sent his word and he healed us and he delivered us from our destructions but I got to be honest with you that day even though I know those things going into that healing service I'm thinking but I've prayed for sick people before and they haven't gotten healed and sometimes in life it's our disappointments I believed you God and it seems like it didn't work sometimes it's our disappointments that keep us from believing again if I want to be a person of bold faith if I'm going to be a person of bold belief, I have to be willing to fight through what is, but I have to be willing to let go of the things that I don't understand. I have to be willing to, even though my husband died, I still believe that God is, is my healer. Even though that my, my uncle, he died of leukemia, I still believe that God heals cancer. Why? Because I will not allow my situation to dictate how good or how not good my God is. I will keep trusting my God until my circumstance changes. 
Sometimes when we have these disappointments, I think if we're really honest, the reason we're so disappointed is because we think that we did something wrong. Did I not believe hard enough? Like, did I not, did I not pray long enough? Did, did I not mean it, God? Was I not full of, 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 of the scripture? Was I not full of your word enough? Did I, because we, we see faith as this like, this thing where I'm twisting God's arm to get him to do something for me. We take, we take it personally. You know what faith is? All faith, faith has, faith has nothing to do with, with, with me getting God to do anything. All faith does is faith creates a space for God to do what God and only God can do. That's what faith does in your life. What your faith does when you trust and you believe God, it has nothing to do like with you making something happen. You, you, here's the question that God asked me as we're having this conversation with our staff team. He says, Nick, can you heal them? Nope. So you can't, you can't heal sick people. No, I can't. So then why are you frustrated as if you're the source, as if you're the one that makes the miracle happen? When I have bold faith, when I'm trying to break free from the prison that I'm in and I have bold faith, all I'm doing is creating a space for God to do what only God can do. It has nothing, it has nothing to do with me. This is, why, this is another reason why I love that God first forgives his sins and then he heals the man. Because really what he's saying is, yeah, I'm gonna heal you here in a second, but first I wanna do away with the thing that would cause you to believe that this has something to do with how good you've been or how bad you've been. In other words, I'm wiping the table so that you know that your miracle isn't because you've been really good. Your miracles in life are not because you've been good. The miracles that God does in your life is because he's so good to you. Because he loves you when you're unlovable. Because he heals you when you're broken. Because God is passionately full of desire for a relationship with you. Man, if I want to have bold belief, if I, if I want to break free from the thing that is keeping me between where I am and my best life, I'm gonna have to surround myself with the right people. I'm gonna have to have bold belief. I'm gonna have to refuse to be afraid by what could be. I'm gonna have to refuse to be afraid of what is. And then the last thing is I'm gonna have to re refuse to be afraid of surrendering this problem to God. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to refuse to, I can't be afraid of giving it to God. In other words, after I've done everything that I know to do, I gotta let go of it, right? After, after I fought through what is, after I fought through what could be and I've done, it's like, God, it's not on me, it's on you. I just surrender it to you. It's, I'm not the healer, you're, you're, you're the one. So I'm not, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not just torn up about the outcome, I'm not torn up, up about things that I don't understand. I'm just gonna keep believing because that's, that's, that's my job. That's my job. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep believing, I'm gonna keep trusting you. And I think sometimes we see this picture of fight the good fight of faith, right? Like fight the good fight of faith. And we think, well, I gotta be aggressive, I gotta war, I gotta stay up all night, gotta pray it through, gotta make sure I fill myself with scripture so that I can command the devil. And so when I hit that devil, I say, you let go of that, and he just, he's just gonna surrender to me and defeat it. No, no, see, this, the Bible says that 2,000 years ago, when Jesus died on the cross and he went to, 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 to hell and he took those keys and he came back, back from the dead, that it, that it was finished, that everything that needs to be done is already done. The war has been won. What am I doing when I'm fighting the good fight of faith? The fight is to keep it out of my hands and in God's hands. That's the fight. That's the fight of faith. The fight of faith. Why do I need to know what God says? Why do I need to fill, fill my, my spirit, man, my soul, the real me with scriptures so that I can have enough confidence in who God is to surrender the problem over to him instead of trying to think that I can fix it or taking these situations personally. That's why this story is so incredible. They lower the man. I mean, could you imagine after this entire journey? I mean, they're digging through the roof. Finally, they get the hole through the roof and they're like, okay, okay, we're finally here. Like, this is our moment. And they, and they jump down, okay, hand him down to us. They put him in front of Jesus. Can you imagine, okay, Jesus, Jesus, like, do your thing. Do your thing. And Jesus says, wow, I'm impressed. 
your sins are forgiven. And they're like, whoa, 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 no, 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 sins. He needs his legs. I'm talking about his sins are forgiven. He, 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 needs, his, he needs his legs, but, but they don't do that. They don't do that. They're not moved by the situation. They understand that their part was just to get him to Jesus. Their part was to set the stage for God to do his part. At that point, my job is just to keep believing. And despite circumstance, despite what I feel, despite the things that I go through, the only other option that I have is to keep believing. What is the alternative? The alternative is I live my life and I die on this earth a prisoner to the things that I've gone through. The alternative is that the chapter of my life that was only intended to be a chapter, that chapter becomes my story. Refuse to live there. Refuse to stay there. Have bold belief. Don't be intimidated by what could be. Don't be intimidated by what is. And don't be afraid to give it to Jesus. Surround yourself with the right people. Right? Have bold belief. The last thing we see is this. Make a move. Make a move. Make a move. The scripture says, get up. Jesus tells him this. Get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. <laughs> the Bible says, and the man did it. He got up, he grabbed a stretcher. And then he walked out with everyone watching them. They rubbed their eyes, incredulous, and then they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. When did this man get healed? When did the miracle take place? When did he get his legs back? I don't know. I don't, I don't know when the miracle happened. Did the miracle happen when his friends picked him up at his house? And because of their faith, did the miracle happen as they were carrying him towards the crowd? Did the miracle happen as they pushed through the crowd? Did the miracle happen when they climbed up on that roof? And he's, he's laying there and he's looking up at the stars thinking, man, maybe this is really it. Maybe this is the time that I really get my breakthrough, get the thing that I've been looking for as his friends are digging through the roof. Is that the moment he gets his legs back? Does he get his legs back when he, when he lands at the feet of Jesus? Does he get his legs back? Does he get his miracle when Jesus is having this argument or this back and forth between the religious people? Does he, did he get his miracle when Jesus says his sins are forgiven? We don't know. All I do know is nobody knew he got his miracle until he made a move. And in your life, what could be waiting on the other side of you just making a move, of you just getting up and trying? I know you're worried about what if it doesn't work, but sometimes you just got to start moving. Sometimes you just got to do what God has asked you to do. Sometimes you just got to believe even when you don't feel like believing. Sometimes you just got to make a move. Sometimes you just got to make a move. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. You have nothing to lose by trusting God again. I know it hurts. I know you were abused. I know you lost a loved one. I know you never thought you would see yourself here. You don't have to stay there. What if your best life was on the other side of you being willing to make a move? For those of you that maybe are battling like an illness, this is the kind, I mean, I'm just, I'm, this, is, this is how bold I'm declaring this today. What if for those of you that are battling an illness, maybe even a terminal illness, what if tomorrow you just got up in the morning and you just tried to live a normal life? What if you just tried? Well, that doesn't sound very practical or logical to me. What is your other option? What if, what if your best life was on the other side of just, God, I believe again. God, I believe again. I shouldn't believe. I shouldn't believe based upon my experiences, but I'm going to believe again. God, it should have done me in, but I refuse to allow that situation to, to do me in. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe again. I'm going to make a move. Your life doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to end here. Hear me today. This is not your story. This is just a chapter in your book. What are you going through today? It doesn't have to be your story. It's just a chapter in your book. Don't live your life as a paraplegic. Don't live your life as a paralytic man when God has called you to walk and God has called you to run and God has called you to dream. Those of you who have given up on your dreams, it's time for you to dream again. For those of you who are given up on relationships because you had a, a marriage that ended in divorce, it's, for, it's time for you to take steps to embracing others again and to stop being so guarded. And, and while I've experienced that, I just, just trust no one. Don't live your life in that prison. Don't live your life in that prison. 
What is the thing that keeps you from the life that you desire? We'll surround ourselves with the right people. We'll both believe and we'll be willing to make a move. Even when it's a difficult one, we can take steps to living the life that Jesus has come for us to live. Would you stand with me at all of our campuses? In just a second, uh, Drew's going to sing through, or the team's going to sing through a little bit of, uh, of something. And I'm going to believe that God's going to do something really awesome in this space. Maybe for those of you that have maybe given up on something and you've just come to terms with this is just how life is going to be for me. And for others of you who you're hanging on by a thread, but you don't know how you're going to get through. I think what I love probably most about the story is when they, they, get, this, they get this paralyzed man to Jesus' feet. It says that, that, that Jesus was impressed by their faith. What's crazy is he doesn't say that he was impressed by the paralytic man's faith. He was impressed by their faith. And I'm here to tell you today, if you're someone in Madeira or in Fresno, you feel like, man, Nick, I hear that. Like, that's inspiring. That's great. That's touching. Like, I'm moved emotionally, but I just, I just don't have it. I just don't know if I can just believe again. I'm here to tell you that as a church family and leaders in this church, that you're surrounded by the right people. You're surrounded by the right people. You're surrounded by, we're going to believe God with you. You're not going to stay there. It's not going to stay that way. We're not going to let you stay that way. We're going to have, God, is, God, God wants to be your healer. He wants to be your provider. He wants to restore relationships. He wants to give you a fresh start. He wants to give you new relationships. He wants you to have the courage to leave abusive ones. He wants, he wants all of those things. And if you don't, we're going to believe with you. We're going to believe with you. We're going to, we're going to pray right now, and we're going to trust God that God will do something great in this space. I don't care what you have faced in your life. This is the thing that I know that God is good. God is good. God is good. Situations happen. There's things that happen in life that, that are bad, but that is not God. God is good. God is good. Do you hear me? God is good. He's a good God. He's a good God. He hasn't forgotten you. You're not forgotten. You're not forgotten. You're not forgotten. He's a good God. He sees you. He knows you. His best is still ahead for you. Still ahead for you. God, in this space, right now, God, we just have the courage to, to believe again, to have bold belief. Hey, Sharissa, will you come and help me pray real quick? And all of our campuses, we're going to pray. And we're going pr to pray. I'm going to have Sharissa pray. And we're going to pray just with bold belief that we believe God's going to do some things again and then after she prays we're going to sing this song and this song that we sang in worship today here at club it says god your promise still stands and some of you think that because of your mistakes or your failures or things that you've encountered in your life that that man your your future just messed up no god says to you today his promise still stands his, he's, he's going to be faithful to you your best life is still going to be ahead can you have the courage to believe it it takes no courage to settle for paralyzed it takes no courage to settle for my life is over it takes no courage to settle for this is the end. You know it takes courage? You know it takes bold belief? <laughs> Having the fortitude to say, God, I know it's been bad. I know I've seen things. I never thought I'd be there. But I choose to believe that you're still a healer. You're still my provider. You're still my way maker. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your healing power right now. God, that you would just come into this service, whatever location and campus that people are at. We thank you, God. Your healing power is there to come and heal hearts of where the enemy has come in to lie to them, to steal a dream and steal vision and steal their faith and steal their, their, their belief. We thank yes, you, God. God. You would bring healing to that. Yes, God. That you would ignite a faith 
and a dream and a belief again right now in this moment we believe that you're doing that God because faith comes by hearing your word so we declare every person that walks out of these services today is leaving full of faith they're leaving charged up we declare that now let's begin to just declare that you're leaving full of faith if you feel like you're weak that you feel like your faith has been stolen from you that you're in doubt and you're in unbelief that you feel weak that you would just speak to that we declare that we're strong in the Lord and the power of his mind we declare we're strong that we're believing again that we see signs wonders and miracles in our lives we're believing for our jobs we're believing for our family members we're believing to see salvation to see healing in bodies healing in our own bodies God that you're watching over your word to perform it that's your promise to us so whatever we've been believing for whatever you've been personally believing for begin to believe that again begin to pray and declare those things right now in this moment wherever you're at begin to pray and declare those things God thank you this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.